interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is The Carrie Edelman Show. Welcome to The Carrie Edelman Show. I am so excited today as we have the Divisional Rubin Award-winning illustrator, Ed Steckley, coming on momentarily. So let me do a brief introduction to the show, and then I'm going to introduce Ed, and then we will bring him on for a really in-depth interview into um, his life story as an illustrator. So Ed is going to accompany many of the amazing artists, comedians, writers, um, and I've just been incorporating illustrators on my show. I've always been a fan of art and have a little background in it myself, but again, nothing in comparison to Ed and some of these other people I've had on. So I really wanted to start rounding out my show and and bringing on some other interesting people um, that are involved in arts and entertainment. Some of the guests I've had on my show include award-winning cartoonist Bob Eckstein, comedian and head writer for Seinfeld, Peter Melman, New York Times bestselling author Jennifer Keshen Armstrong, award-winning journalist Mike Sager, comedian John D. Domenico, and world-mastering engineer Mayar Applebaum. So please check out these people I have on my show. I really do an interesting interview and I'm here to support them. That's what this show is about. Help them get their products out there and help you introduce um, people in my audience to who they are. A little bit about my background. I always mention this just as a, you know, a disclaimer, so to speak. Um, my background's in clinical psychology. That's what my doctorate degree is in. But my show is purely an entertainment show. It's not going to be a show where we're doing analysis or therapy. Um, occasionally, we might talk about psychological terms in, you know, more of a general educational concept, but that will be the extent of the show. So if you are tuning in, you can create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. And let's do an introduction for Ed now. So as I mentioned, Ed Steckley is a Divisional Rubin Award-winning illustrator. His clients have included Mad Magazine, Abrams Books, and Spin Master Toys, to name a few. Currently, he's the illustrator of two different series of Rube Goldberg books that are published by Abrams. Um, Two of them are kids' picture books. And he also has an upcoming three-book series of Rube Goldberg middle reader books. Um, We're going to get into talking about those today and his amazing illustrations that he's done for them. His artwork has appeared in galleries and museums all over the country. He's the vice president of the National Cartoonist Society, as well as runs the Manhattan chapter of that organization. Um, So let's, uh, if you want to visit Ed Steckley and look at his illustrations, you can go to edsteckley.com. And of course, later in the show, we will promote all the social media pages that you can also follow him on. So let's bring Ed on. Hi, Carrie. Hey, Ed. How are you? Thank wow. you so much for joining me. <laughs> you make it sound like I know what I'm doing. Oh, you do know what you're doing, but <laughs> as I said, def- definitely want to bring out the best in all my guests. So thank you oh, so much man. for coming on. Good luck on. with that. Oh, my pleasure. Stop. Thanks for having me. This is great. Cool. Okay. So I know hopefully um, we're not going to get into politics or anything. And I think reading a little bit about <laughs> reading a little bit about you, you and I are probably in a similar uh page, so to speak, but how have you been doing in the quarantine? Just because I know we're kind of coming out of it now, but just give us a little bit of background of how you were making out during these trying times. And then of course, we'll just, we're going to delve into, as I said, your life story. Well, actually with the quarantine, uh, I got really lucky because I started uh, a book, another book for Abrams uh, in December, 2019. 
And that involved me, uh, you know, hunkering down in my studio for about, you know, 10 or 12 hours a day. And uh, when that was over uh, in, I think, June or July, I emerged and we were in quarantine. So I was kind of self-quarantining before it was cool. Right. Immediately (laughs) after that, I I started another book. So I'm one of the really lucky ones who actually – uh, you know, I, I was working all the way through, and Definitely. I'm grateful wow. for that because, man, uh, apparently it was really bad. But uh, I was in my own little world, sitting down here painting and drawing uh, all all through the whole thing. The only thing was I, I couldn't wrap up a day and head over to a bar and have an old-fashioned, which is kind right. of fun to do now, now and then. I uh, I had to do that here. So that was the worst of it. Uh, you know, it was, uh, I got off flight and, uh, I don't take that for granted. It's not, it's not really anything to, to do about me. It's just dumb luck that I happen to have a contract signed before, before all this, all this hit. And, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that, that's that story. Right. Um, so, yeah, and I, I can see how exactly how grateful you would be for something like that, because I'm sure, you know, oh, I'm yeah. sure you have tons of friends that are involved in similar fields of work that you do that might not have been as fortunate. So I can totally right. empathize and appreciate with that. I do. In, in the first half of, uh, of last year, Mad Magazine was still going well, strong. So I would uh, the only the only time I would uh, hop off of these books was when a mad job would come in. So frankly, it was ideal. Uh, everything was great about 2020, except for this whole pandemic business. Right. <laughs> you know, that put a little the funny thing a little is, damper on stuff, right? <laughs> I know. The funny thing is this book that I was, that, that I was illustrating for the first half of last year, it was supposed to come out right about now, uh, spring 2021. And now it's gotten pushed back to spring 2022 because kids picture books, uh, apparently sell better when they're at bookstores rather than, you know, online. So, you know, that's just, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a bummer actually, because by the time it comes out, I'll have two or three more books in the can and I won't even remember this book. Plus I'll look at it and go, Ugh, I've oh, so much stop, stop. real quick. That's, is the, this way, the, that's one... the way it goes with these things. Yeah. Right. And we'll get into all that stuff, and I'm sure you're, you know, looking back at your, like you said, previous work and saying, oh, I could have did that better or something like that. But is oh, this the don't Ruth get me Goldberg? Started. <laughs> no, don't yeah. believe I'm, I'm on the, I'm neurotic too. So, is this the um, simple normal? <laughs> is this the simple normal? Definitely different day off one that's supposed that's, to be released. That's the one. That's yeah. The one, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, we'll get into that. I mean, I love the illustrations that you do for these children's Aww. books. They're very, no, I just, they're very warm and inviting and just, I don't know how you would describe those types of characters, but I've always been drawn to like the whimsical stuff and just the really, if I'm describing it correctly, I don't know if I'm describing it correctly, but I, I love think that type of. I just fine. Okay. Okay. I... So <laughs> let's do this. Let's start to take a walk yeah. down memory lane with you, so to speak. Um oh. Hold on one second. Let me just get to my notes sure. here because I got a ton of stuff. Okay. Oh, so, um, yeah. Now, don't, like I said, Dan, relax. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, if you've heard my interviews, I really like to start from, you know, the beginning and start to really get a background on, on who my guest is. So, you know, just thinking back to, if I'm pronouncing it right, Racine, Wisconsin. Is that the right yep. way to pronounce it? 
Yeah. That's the one. Yep. Okay. So yeah, just, I mean, as young as you can remember, you know, two, three, four, describe like your personality, you know, how were you as a little kid? And then, you know, start to delve into a little bit with how you got involved in drawing. Cause I know you were like between two to four years old when you first started to draw. <laughs> so tell us a little bit yeah. about that. That's a, that, that's a great question. Something I don't, I haven't thought about much, but uh, every little kid lo- likes to draw. If you give, you know, a toddler or, uh, you know, a kid who's four or five or six, give them a box of crayons and they're going to, their eyes are going to light up and they're going to start scribbling and drawing stuff. And most people grow out of that and they go on to, you know, other things They go on to lucrative careers and things that are important. <laughs> But uh, me, I just kind of kept with it, and I think this is probably kind of standard for for uh, artists and illustrators is that I didn't really see myself as good at it. I just liked it, but eventually I started getting attention for it, and I guess, you know, when you're in fifth grade, that can kind of, oh, you know, I, this is fun. So it, mm-hmm. it began to become something that I kind of started to maybe unconsciously realize that, oh, I'm going to keep doing this for a long time. And it was never a, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? I, I, I very rarely had that. Uh, I had a very supportive home life. My parents were all, you know, uh, every Christmas I'd get sketchbooks. I was really easy to shop for when I was a kid. <laughs> I got markers and sketchbooks, and uh, I had a I had a cousin who was a a bigwig at Marvel Comics, a guy named Mark Grunewald, and uh, Mark uh, drew, and he was a, he was mainly an editor for Marvel, and wow. whenever he he'd show up, I would sit and I'd show him all my drawings, you know, and the poor guy was probably like, oh, here we go, another lousy <laughs> drawing of Garfield, you know, right? <laughs> so, but he would. He would bring me uh, 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 tools that were a little bit above and beyond the normal hobby hobby store uh, drawing tools, like fancy pens and uh, kinds of coloring sticks I hadn't heard of, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of support growing up, which is great. I think uh, that's I, – I don't know how my life would have turned out if I'd have had – the type of parents who said, who would say, ah, you know, this is a good hobby, but you got to get a profession. I was never right. all that and, good at anything else. <laughs> and real quick, just to, just to digress yeah. a little bit, and thank you for sharing that sure. really interesting stuff, especially having someone in your family that worked for uh, Marvel. Do you remember what you mm-hmm. first started drawing? Like when you first were scribbling, can you recall oh, like yeah. some of the first things you drew? Garfield. Garfield? Okay. I, Garfield. I drew, I learned how to draw Garfield. And I, it kind of went from there. Uh, anything in the in the newspaper comics that 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 ages me, that dates me, because I no, used that's to fine. Read the funny, and and the, that's the, the stuff I find interesting. Not 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 what mm-hmm. dates you, but um, when you look back at the cartoons and the comic strips, besides what else besides Garfield did you like? Uh, I discovered Mad Magazine in I think fourth or fifth grade. Okay. And I was really I was really drawn. Huh, to Alfred E. Newman. So I mm-hmm. kind of, I started to do really, you know, probably pretty bad drawings of, of Alfred. And that led to caricatures. I had no idea what a caricature was. I had no idea what, what, what the word was. I didn't know it was a thing. All I know is that 
Mort Drucker in Mad Magazine would draw these movie parodies and mm-hmm. of funny drawings of the, all the people in the movies and TV shows, and they look like them. And I was like, oh, my God. And I think it was, right. I was in middle school when some teacher actually introduced me to the word caricature. And I went, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm going to be doing. So from then on, beginning in, I think, middle school, I drew for the school paper. And I would, I would come up with these goofy strips that incorporated teachers. And uh, <laughs> so I would, I would draw the teachers in these strips. They were, they were, they were written terribly, and you know, they were, but they were just. It was more of a, a way for me to, to draw caricatures. So I would just have these, like, I would. Uh, there'd be a silhouette of, some figure, and I, and the strip would be, or the teacher would be called, name that teacher. And they would be a, a silhouette, and then the next month would be my drawing of that teacher. Did you guess it was Mrs. Whoever? Right. And then I would, <laughs> right next to that would be another silhouette. And it was super good, really funny. Uh, it, and then I did, like, the school play. Someone, uh, one of my teachers asked me to do all the people behind the scenes of the school play for a big display in the back of the uh in the back of the, the auditorium and uh that was the first time that I actually got art directed <laughs> because Interesting. I would draw the, these teachers and a, a few of them were a little bit questionable and this uh <laughs> this instructor came to me and said you know this is kind of hurtful <laughs> you can't you can't do that that's back when I had kind of a chip on my shoulder I was I was a punk up until about I don't know, 20 minutes ago. And uh, <laughs> I would, she said, yeah, can you just kind of tone this down a bit? And I, I'd like to think that my response was, you bet, you're the boss. But I'm sure I, you know, grumbled about it and had to redo it. Meanwhile, I'm drawing with like Crayola markers. On wow. Lousy paper. And uh, everybody had a Max Hedrum background. Like, you know, the, do you remember Max Hedrum? No, no, and I apologize. Describe that a little more. No. Oh, is this weird? Uh, supposed to be like a like a uh, AI talk show host. It was a okay. actor named Matt Frewer. They put this heavy heavy makeup on to make him look uh, computery, and he would just kind of interview people with snarky comments. All and he had this weird, very '80s background of kind of like these neon lights that would move around. Well, I, I did that. And, uh, okay. okay. I remember, I have to I remember thinking, <laughs> watch out. I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking, wow, no one's ever going to know I ripped that off. <laughs> it would be like, you know, just, just, uh, just a bunch of lines in the back. I mean, they were, they show up every now and then in my Facebook newsfeed, which is lovely. But I, I got in the newspaper for that, so that was my first bit of local stardom. <laughs> Okay. And it was okay. all downhill from there, Carrie. <laughs> no, no, no. But but and I love hearing about all that stuff. And we're going to fast forward a little bit in a minute. But getting back to real quick because I was going to get into yeah. the Mad Magazine. But in addition yeah. to Garfield, was there any other like? Did you like Family Circus? You know, were there any other cartoons, comics that you can remember as a little kid that you were drawn to? Um, any TV shows? Because you've done a lot of humorous work, which I think is phenomenal. I love the mad stuff you've done. Um, you know, oh. any comedians or anything that drove you also, in addition to the cartoon stuff and the comic strips, was there anything comedy-wise that you liked that you were incorporating or thinking about 
as a little, little kid uh, as you started to grow up? I think, yeah, that's, that's a good one, too. Uh, I was always a big comedy nerd. And I okay. told myself if I if I wasn't going to make it as an artist, you know, that, that's that's the only word I had, artist, not like illustrator or commercial, blah, blah, blah. But uh, if I didn't do that, I was going to be a cast member on Saturday Night Live. Nice. Right? So I knew I, I knew I had one of those two things to do. Uh, okay. <laughs> one of them worked out. The other one I, I never pursued, but I was also very much into m- music as well. I had a very musical family. We all played instruments and I did. And uh, when I was in college, I, uh, I kind of took a semester off of my major and, and I went and I did a bunch of music stuff in theater, you know, on stage okay. and all that. And in- there was a instrument? point. What instruments did you oh, play I, or instrument? Well, I, I, I dabbled in the piano. I played the trumpet, not to brag. And nice. I like to sing. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a singer. Cool. And there was a point, maybe my sophomore year in college, when my advisor was like, okay, can we get, can we get it together here? You got, you got to make a choice. And I did. I went home to my dorm, and I, I spent a weekend going, do I want to pursue art or do I want to pursue I, – I, I did psychology for a, for a, a, a quarter. And okay. I finally decided, you know, I got to – one of the best decisions I ever made, I actually made the conscious effort to go, okay, I'm just going to go all in on the, the art stuff and learn everything mm-hmm. I can. And I did. Well, I'm, I'm still learning everything I can, but that, that was the goal <laughs> of the time. No, that's really interesting because I didn't, yeah, and you know me, I was doing my research. I didn't come across the music stuff. What type of, tell me a little bit about what type of music did you like? Tell me about what your family members enjoyed listening to. Um, either growing up or, you know, as you got older? Well, I, I was raised, uh, I think, age three to, and I don't know what age, but uh, it was it was my mom and my two sisters. And we would just sing. We'd be in the car, and we'd all sing along, and we all got pretty, pretty good at it. Beach Boys songs and mm-hmm. Blondie. A lot of, uh, a lot of, I don't know. Well, Blondie is the one I can really think of but then okay. like a Muppet the Muppet show and all that right. we just kind of dabble and we all just enjoyed it we all have have an ear and nobody pursued it but me and my sisters and my mom were we just we're just we, we just uh, it's a it's a thing that we all kind of take seriously not not to do for real but we all just enjoy it we always enjoy mm-hmm. music and I just you know now it's now it's a thing so these days it's uh it's been pretty much just like the annual karaoke night at a convention for okay. the most part. But okay. when I'm down, when I'm in, in my studio, generally I, I have podcasts on for the first half of the day, and then I switch over to music, and I have to close the windows because I sing along to everything. And <laughs> probably uh, maybe 20 years ago, I started doing advertising work where an ad agency would hire me to come in and draw something, whatever they needed for two days or so. And I could never wear headphones when I do that because when I get into kind of a zone, I start to sing and hum and stuff. And I, I got really <laughs> self-conscious. I was like, oh, I can't. I don't want to do that. So right. now that uh, the more the older I get, the more I get to work ex- exclusively from my studio. Uh, now it's I'm I'm free to do whatever. <laughs> so it's nice. uh, it can be it can be noisy here. In fact, I've got in my studio I've got uh, uh, two windows that are. Uh, sidewalk level, and I know there's been people who walk by and go, "What? What's going on in there?" Right. That guy too much. 
you know. Yeah. So what type of <laughs> Yeah, but and, it was, it was I know sorry, you're listening to music, what type of music are you listening to? Are you into, you know, rock or pop or what types of stuff do you like? Oh, I I kind of I defer back to like a lot, a lot of 80s stuff now. Like a, okay. Uh Depeche Mode and a, I like a band called Alphaville a lot. And it's okay. uh, you know, just uh melodic uh mm-hmm. good thing. I I always saw music the kind of kind of the same way I saw I would look at comic strips to circle back. Uh the comic strips I would draw were the ones that were well drawn. Uh it would have been, you know, Calvin and Hobbes, uh uh nice. Bloom County, as opposed to the ones that were, you know, kind of more uh, I guess simple. Right. I never I don't think I ever I don't think I ever attempted to draw Snoopy. You know, I wanted to do Okay. Uh, I wanted to do uh, cartoons that basically if the strip had articulated fingers, I would like to draw it. <laughs> wow. Okay. So really was, intricate types of stuff. Yeah. There was a strip. I don't know how long. It, it, it ended a number of years ago, but it was called uh, Geech. And it was about the guys who worked in a mechanic shop. And it was kind of, it was just a, it was a big hit in my, in my house. But all the fingers were articulated. They had knuckles and, uh, you know, big bulbous noses. And I always got a kick out of it. So I got, I got, <laughs> Really good at drawing those types of things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm kind of the same way now. If, if I see any comics, or especially now with the, with the online comics, if it's not drawn well, I I really can't get past that. And it's okay. probably a fault. I'm missing out on a lot of good content. But in graphic novels, you know, I have to. The artwork has to be, you know, good. For me to get past it, so I, I, ugh, I, I really need to get over that. I, I need to kind of uh, overcome my that that roadblock because there's a lot of good content out there that I, I'm not going to see because ugh, I can't I can't stand looking at bad art. Right. I'm always afraid that bad bad art's going to rub off on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting you say that because I as I've been getting more into you know I had Bob on a couple of weeks ago, X Gene, yeah. and now oh, I have I you Bob, on. Yeah. Which, yeah, which I'm so excited that I'm having the opportunity to interview both of you guys. I mean, you're both amazing. Aww. But there's been some people, Aww. as I'm looking around and getting a little more, you know, what's it called? I don't know, um, familiar with mm-hmm. some of the people out there. You know, like you said, some of them maybe aren't drawn the best, but, you know, I guess maybe I'm because I'm not in this world, my mind is maybe a little more open, but I, like you, I do appreciate stuff that's polished and well done, but I'm telling you, there's some stuff out there, Ed, where like the drawings might not be great, but because their content is so good. I mean, I'll just like I, bust I out know. laughing, like, Oh my, like there was one, I don't, yeah. Cause I don't want to off the air. We'll talk, but there's some funny stuff that I've seen <laughs> someone do that the drawing's yeah. not great, but man, the punchline, mm-hmm. it's like one panel stuff that they do. It is just like, mm-hmm. Funny. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So, yeah. And yeah. now with the National Cartoon Society, I'm friends with, with a, lo- a lot of different artists. So I've been introduced to a lot of good stuff. You know, I, I'm not a writer. I, I wish I, well, I don't, actually I don't wish, but I'm not a writer. So I don't, uh, I, I don't go towards the writing first, but if something's funny, it's funny. Right. You know, and I, I love a right. good one panel gag that is just yes. so well written. You know, yes. that, I mean, God, I just, I just, I love that. To me, that that's kind of magic because I'm not a writer, you know? Right. And to see but someone hey, who's good, but, 
It's something that but, you're not uh, involved in. Yeah. yeah, but Ed, maybe you're you not off, giving sorry. yourself credit. And I, I want to yeah. talk about this later because there's something, and just make sure, keep this in the back of your mind. There was something I heard you talk okay. about on the, the sketch pad, I think it was podcast. It was just, I loved what you said. I want to yeah. get to it later. I literally have it written in my notes. But I think, and this Ooh. ties into what I'm going to get to later, is that give yourself a try. You never know. You might be good at it. And that's the content and the concept of what you talked about that really resonated with me. But I'll save that mm. for a little later. But why don't you try sure. it out? You might be better than you think. Or you might be, yeah, you know, yeah. it might be something you just have to work at, you know? It could be. But, you know, if the interest isn't there, it's like, it's, it's like drawing. Like I said, little kids like to draw. But if you go up to most adults, right. they, their right. interest goes somewhere else. I, uh, I've always had a hard time with the word talent, born with it, uh, because uh, I heard someone say once, a gift, say you're, you know, if someone's gifted, a gift is something that's given to you for free. Uh, all of us who, who work in illustration art, we have to, we have to I'm not going to swear, but we have to really work hard to become good at that. But right. what, you're, what I believe you're born with is an inclination or an interest. And mm-hmm. you know you expand that you expand on that just because it's what it's what you do, you know. And I, I never had a I never really had a, a motivation to sit and write, you know. I'm I'm a okay. classic commercial il- illustrator, where I'm basically I work I always work with a team, except for these these rube books. I, I work with a team, and this person does does this part of the thing. This person does that part, and I, I'm right. the one who draws. Right. Gotcha. You know, and I'm perfectly happy with that. As I get old, older, I think maybe I'll try to write something. I don't know. With these books that I, that I've only been doing for the last couple of years, you know, uh, there there's there's writing involved, and I look at it and I go, yeah, maybe I should maybe I should try to try to do that. But then I realize that my motivation is just to make more money doing it. <laughs> and right. if you're motivated, if you're motivated by money, it's never going to work out. Right, right. That, that I no, learned. I hear what you're saying. No, that it all makes sense what you're late. saying. Yeah. Right. I hope so. so. Probably not. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tie a little bit back into, and then we'll, we're going to start fast forward. What did your, if you don't mind me sure. asking, um, what did your parents do for a living? Do you have more than two sisters, or is that is that the siblings, just two sisters? Oh, no. My mom remarried when I was when I was a kid. So now I have I I have a stepbrother and a stepsister. Okay. We're a very we're a very tight family. We're all nice. you know and I, I have a I have a twin sister who lives in Italy right now. Oh interesting. Uh, she married she married some Italian boy. She's okay. listening now so she's uh, <laughs> Okay. And, uh, so and she they have a, a a little girl and I'm officially an Italian godfather, which I think is fun. Nice. Uh, there's nothing Italian about me, but I'm an Italian guy. <laughs> uh, my mom so, is a is a elementary school yeah. teacher. My, okay. My stepdad, who raised me, basically, uh, he w- he was a uh, a college teacher. He's a he, he's a chemist, taught chemistry at the University wow. of Wisconsin at a school okay. there called Parkside University of Wisconsin at Parkside, and everybody was an educator. My grandma. Uh, she taught second grade. Um, my my older sister Jenny, she she's a principal in St. Louis. My stepbrother is a doctor 
and he, he's married to a doctor, so they're, they're all the doctors. So it's pretty much the doctors and me are the black sheep, I like to say. Uh, everybody, everybody is an educator. And the funny thing, uh, when I was in college, I actually left before I graduated. I, uh, I just I got work, and I went, you know, I don't know, I'm going to go work. I don't need to do this. Right. So that was in 1995. And in 1990, or I'm sorry, 2017 or so, I, I finally decided to uh, go back and finish my degree. So I'm, uh, I got my bachelor's degree at, I think, age 44 or 45, which is fun. Uh, well, congrats. That's thing, great. Yeah. <laughs> good, good thing now is there's a, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a grave in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that's a little bit quieter because grandma stopped rolling around in it because <laughs> now, she, now, all of her, now all of her grandkids are, are college graduates. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask it's, you about that, but thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I, and we'll get into how you left to, it looks like, primarily do the caricature work, which was really taken mm-hmm. off for you. Um, oh, but that's yeah. I'm glad, that you're, I'm glad that your grandma's happy right now that, that that's complete. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope um, so. She hasn't, uh, she hasn't written me any letters yet, but you know, <laughs> I, I assume so. So, yeah, I had a very education-centric uh, upbringing. You know, everybody, they, they take it very seriously. And uh, mm-hmm. it, that was, that, that was, I guess, instilled into me. Yeah. And now I and do you know a lot of really, work with, with my college. Hmm? Sorry, you know I cut you really, off again. Just really quick before I forget. You know, it's really interesting. And I don't know. I mean, it's just an interesting analogy in a way. Um, you know, you're, uh, you're doing educational books for kids now, which is kind of interesting because you're talking about this whole family dynamic of, you know, people saying education is important and pursuing you know, at minimum, a bachelor's degree, if not an advanced degree. So that's just kind of an interest. Mm-hmm. And you're doing children's books, and your mom's an elementary school teacher. And I don't know, just mm-hmm. think it's an interesting piece of data. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I think I what I what I think is that everybody every children's book is kind of kind of has a lesson to it. So that right. that kind of that that's kind of cheating because I got the gig. <laughs> you know, I right. didn't uh, I didn't really search it out. I it just kind of. Uh, it, it it was all of a sudden it just kind of happened. One that that's another thing for later on about being an illustrator is that you you keep your you know you look for open doors. You don't if you don't pigeonhole right. yourself, you'll that that that's how you, you get work. But as it turns right. out, the, the books I do are very they're they're used in STEM and STEAM uh, c- curriculums, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they're they're teaching. So I guess you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I, I never thought about that, but you're right. Yeah, it's just, I, I don't know, it's just an interesting parallel with, like, just kind of this one, I don't know, 360, 180, however you want to describe it. So just thinking right. back from your upbringing and some of the, you know, professions in your family. And then, like you said, you didn't pigeonhole yourself, and we'll get into that. You kind of just mm-hmm. randomly fell into this line of work because you kept your mind open and you were flexible. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I learned so much from you. Oh, no, I learned a lot from you. <laughs> oh, God. Um, well, I'm the objective person, so I'm on the outside kind of looking in and looking for pieces ah. and trying to tie things together. And um, okay. Real quick comment before I forget, and then we'll get into more school and you going off to college and that stuff. So you're a fan of cats, mm-hmm. which is interesting, again, because look at what you were drawing as a really little kid. You were drawing Garfield, right? That's interesting. Ooh, that's a parallel. Actually, Garfield is easy to draw. <laughs> well, maybe, but you do like cats, so tell us a little bit about your cats. Or cats. Oh, I've got two 
I've always, we've always had cats growing up. We always, there's always cats floating in, in and out of the house. They would just kind of, a lot of times it was alley cats who would just kind of wander in, get fed and never leave, you know, <laughs> kind of like the old roach, the roach motel commercials. Roaches check in, but they don't check out. A lot right. of that. They would just kind of, oh, look who's here for good. A lot of that. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> so now, yeah, I've got uh, two, two, two Bengal cats floating around the house. Oh, One's wow. right here and yeah and they're uh well yeah it's uh that's that that makes it interesting when i'm uh either inking or, or painting a lot of times these cats have to get locked upstairs because uh if they get uh too too wild you know i've i've had a lot of cases where i'll be done almost done with a painting and the cat will jump up and I'll, it'll have a footprint on it or a schmear oh, no and uh, <laughs> that's what that's what i'm grateful for a good white paint Right. So I can fix fix boo boos, and uh, the thing is, they never apologize. Oh. So I just have to <laughs> go. Oh, hmm. I think you're sorry, but you're probably not. Right, right. And what are their names? Yeah. Franklin and Irving. Ah, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Very the one, cool. Uh, if we were, if we were on a, a video call, I guarantee you, you would have seen a cat's butt about three times by now in front oh, of the camera. Oh man. Okay, next time. That's the time. favorite thing to do. Oh, maybe next yeah, time we'll bring but, you back on, and then you can you can have them on the on the podcast too. <laughs> oh, you're 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 in for a treat. Now I love cats. I'm a huge <laughs> cat person too. So now that's cool. Good. Really cool. All right. So yeah. talking a little bit like again about school, you know, elementary school, mm-hmm. middle school, high school. I'm assuming you're still on your route to pursuing art so yeah tell us a little bit about what you were doing in high school and also did you ever play any sports were you a sports person or no <laughs> I tried to be okay oh, what did you try to do I was <laughs> terrible at it I, I I had friends who were in sports and they're just like this is funny my best pal from back home uh he was a football player and uh I, I don't know if he ever co- if he ever like you know said you should do this but uh I was, I felt obligated to try out for football and uh, I came home and I, I told, I told my mom and she said, you know what, I, I wouldn't be comfortable if you did that. And I went, okay, not going to do it. <laughs> and I was like, well, my mom, I, I, I say, I'm sure it's told me my mom won't let me, you know, but I was just like, oh, thank God she didn't let me do that. Right. Uh, right. I was a, for a hot minute, I was a wrestler. Okay. And, uh, that ended, that ended with lots of broken ribs and bruises. Oh, and gosh. Uh, no, I'm not very coordinated. My center of gravity is about three feet above my head, so it's. Uh, but I, I gave it the old, the old college try, but I just never. There you go. Uh, yeah, you know, I just, uh, this isn't for me. So I would go to all my friends' games, and in college, I, I had friends who were swimmers. Like, I guess I'm going to go to a swim meet. You know, <laughs> I would do that. I became, I became the dude cheering everybody else on. Okay. So, uh, I am not. I am not cut out for this, and I accept that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So. Yeah, so through high school, let's you know tell us mm-hmm. a little bit, just a couple of data points of high school, and then you know let us know a little bit about what colleges did you apply to before you ended up choosing um, University of Wisconsin, and and what was it that you know kind of drove you to that school? Oh, I've got a terrible answer for that, but I'll start with the high school stuff. I drew for the only thing I remember about high school, really, is is uh, <laughs> I was on the I, I was I, I was on the the 
school newspaper mm-hmm. course. And, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> I just, uh, I was, I was, I don't know. It's just a lot of people like think back fondly of their high school years. Mine were fine, but I, I never really went, I, I, I don't know. I, I never really saw high school as real life. It's when I was like, can we get this over with? Um, so were you, I mean, would you say you were social and had a lot of friends or did you kind of just, you know, do your own thing? And I think I was, I had, my twin sister, Carrie, the one that lives in Italy, she was, she was very popular, as was my older sister, Jenny. So I was kind of accepted into a lot of groups because of that, okay. <laughs> not because I had anything to contribute. Right. But, uh, and we, we also had a car. The three of us shared one car. It was an 82 Toyota Corolla, yellow, okay. with, a, with an I Love Alley Cats bumper sticker on the back. And we, would, we had to uh, trade off the go, whose day is it to get the car? So we would you know, go pick up friends. So we, we had this little car stuffed with, you know, if I had to pick up my sister's friends, it would be stuffed with, you know, girls, and you know, spraying Aquanet and smoking cigarettes. And, uh, yeah, so I, I just kind of, I would go with the flow. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I, yeah, but I, I don't know if I was out, I honestly, I, uh, I can't, I don't know if I, if I can objectively say if I was outgoing. I think I was friendly. That's about mm-hmm. it. Uh, okay. But and for college, I didn't apply to. I was. This is one mistake I made. I never thought about things like scholarships, or what school should I go to. I right. went to the school that my friends went to, and also my mom was an alumni. So I was like, I'm just, and I got accepted. You know, I guess which I don't know. That was good, I guess. Right, and uh, that's so good. I went there. You know, I <laughs> okay. I never. I never got excited about it. I always kind of saw it as I've got to get this out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. there's never an option to not go. But, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, the thing about, about college in, in my line of work is I've never been, I've never been asked if I have a degree. I've never lost work because I didn't have a degree, mm-hmm. you know. But I yeah. only learned the importance of ed- education years later. I do a lot of, I do a lot of work with my college I've done, you know, uh, talks and lectures and stuff. And uh, I, I always have to kind of keep that part to myself because you're not in college to, uh, well, if you're an artist, the good thing about being in an art program in college is that you learn how to sling some paint. You learn how to do this. You learn about this and that. And, right. uh, you know, that's, I think that that's important. Personally, I was never all that great at it. I knew what I wanted to do for the most part. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, oh, I've got to do this design class. Ugh. You know, so I would work with typography for a, a semester. And I, was, Ugh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> you know. And what was, and, and real quick, while you're in college, what was the focus? Did you want to do drawing, painting, digital, like what? Was there something that oh, you were is, focused this is on long, or not? This is long before, this is long before digital. Yeah, no, you're right. I, uh, Sorry. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my first year of, of of college was the year that they got computers in the lab. Right. And, uh, ooh, they were big and shiny. And the second year, they went all out and they got a scanner. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was all new. Yeah. I, I, I never really had a focus. I was, you know, I, I guess I, I wasn't all that great of a student. I did okay, but I wasn't all that great. I, uh, I talked to my advisor, I think, when I was, after I did all that other side stuff I was trying out. 
And I said, how can I graduate the quickest? And, and she said, well, she went through everything I had taken. said, well, if you go for a graphic design degree, you'll be out of here quicker. And I went, good, sign me up. And I'm no designer. I have no interest in graphic design. It's just, yeah, it's not my thing. But I said, sure. Okay. So I had to take a couple design classes. I didn't really take all that stuff as seriously as I probably should have. But, yeah, whatever. It okay. worked out. Okay. Yeah. So the first year, I think it is you're there, or, yeah, by the summer of the first year you're there, that's when you get this summer job. Take us a little bit down that road of, um, uh, you know, the theme park the and, and basically how for the next almost two decades you're drawing caricatures and traveling all over the country, so to speak. <laughs> all of your all of your non-artist listeners are going to flip their lids at this one. Uh, yeah, I uh, after my first year, first of all, uh, when I was growing up, we'd go to the Six Flags Park in Chicago, which was the next, but the closest theme park. And I would mm-hmm. just sit and look at the guys drawing caricatures. I thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And I'd look up at the wall, and there'd be samples of celebrities and all that. And I would just go, wow. And I'd sit and look. I'd be the kid, you know, who lurking mm-hmm. behind. How do you do that? How'd you learn how to do that? I was, you know, I, I'm not, and I, I grew to hate those kids, but uh, yeah, I would, I would do that. And I would sit and hang out, and eventually these guys would be like, "What are you doing? Go ride a ride." <laughs> and I would, I would just sit and watch and look and ask questions and bother these guys. You know, these guys are all, you know, probably in their early twenties. You know, but to me, it was like, this is a real artist. This is what artists do. I want to do this. And to me, there was no difference between drawing in a theme park and drawing for Mad Magazine. To me, it was the same thing. You know, okay. again, I never thought about which of these is going to be more lucrative. I, that didn't occur to me until years later. Uh, so I would just do that. And I, and I never really considered it because these were professionals. I mean, I looked up to those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, then after my first year of college, I saw a flyer in the in the art building about, hey, come draw caricatures for the summer. It had a long description about it and all that. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. And that was in Minneapolis which was, you know, a good schlep away from Whitewater, Wisconsin. Or right. Uh, but uh, I called, the guy answered the phone, and yeah, and I I was just a blubbering idiot. I I, I, really, I saw your poster in Whitewater, and, I, and I, I stutter, you know. I have a pretty nasty stutter when I get, Do you I re- get nervous. No. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's a thing, yeah. And, okay. Uh, yeah, now I'm thinking about it, I'm going to start doing it. But uh, I called, and I was just, I couldn't get through a sentence, you know, and I, and he's like, what are you trying to say? And eventually I got to the point, I'm a huge fan of Mad Magazine and I'm more truckers my hero. And this guy said, oh, okay, I know where you're going with this. So I sent in some samples, you know, I just sat and I did a couple of sketchbook pages of caricatures, sent that in and I got the job. Turns out that dude is one of my best friends to this day. His name is Tom wow. Richmond. And he went, he went off to become the main movie parody guy in Mad Magazine, in addition to being just a very successful illustrator. So he became my mentor, or one of them. And uh, yeah, so that was so just wait, a wait, weird wait, Real quick, because I did have yeah. that. Hold on, real quick. So the guy yep. on the phone was Tom Richmond, or Tom Richmond you met mm-hmm. when you got the job? Oh, that was Tom Richmond? Oh, that was Tom, yep. Oh, that's Back funny. When he was... Yeah, back when he was in his twenties, this is how this is. The business was to, you know, do these caricature operations where we right. did we did airbrush caricatures, and they, you know, they were great. It was a great 
booth. It was a great job. We all, all of us who worked took it very seriously. A lot of us from the early days are still friends. And uh, yeah, so I did that for one year there. Then I went to Chicago and because it was closer and I worked with guys there. And the guy who ran that was another good friend of mine named Gary Fosen. Mm-hmm. All the car- any caricaturists listening are going to know all these all these people, and uh, so I worked I worked with Gary for two years, and then I talked to Tom because I got a little bit ahead of myself. So I think I'm ready to manage one of these operations. Okay, and, uh, I'm not <laughs> sure what really happened, how it came to came to be, but I'm quite sure someone was in mind for a new location, and that person flaked out or something like that. So I got the job because <laughs> someone had to do it. So then I moved okay. down to that's that's when I, I left school. I moved down to St. Louis to uh, to open up an operation at a at a theme park there. So Tom and I were in business from then until I think 20, 2006 when wow. I, I left the park. That that led to a theme park in Massachusetts, and then by 2006 I went all right. I'm done with this. That was 12 hour days working outside yeah. drawing with Pete, you know, drawing live. And I just, that wears on you. That's, I was in my, I was in my early thirties. Okay. I'm good. So, but and real quick, I still so, love it, you know, that training ground. Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. What did your mom think when, or your family think when you were like, and you were like, when you left, when you left college, were you in your senior year? I don't really know. I was about maybe 10 credits you, shy. So whatever that means. Right. Okay. Uh, Ten or or twelve credits. Yeah. Okay. Uh, It was close. Oh, I always had full support of my parents. I'm I'm really inclined to make a joke here. I'm really inclined to make a joke about this, but I just can't because I had all 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 the support in the world. They were, they thought it was cool. I don't know what they really thought, but uh, you know, oh, that's great. You know, what do you need? They they drove me out there. Wow. You know, that's great. I rented a room. I rented a room in Minneapolis, and I had this. uh, this Honda scooter because I couldn't afford a car. So I would drive this Honda (laughs) scooter about probably 15 miles from the town I was in to where the theme park was. And the last like three miles of this were on a, you know, a major highway. So I would, uh, I would scoot. Oh my God. I can't believe I lived through this. I would just take my little 35 mile an hour scooter in the shoulder of a highway and and just kind of roll in. Every now and then I'd get a flat tire. I was like, what do I do? Cell phones haven't been invented yet. And it was, it was a nightmare. Oh, but, my but, you know, gosh. I didn't, wow. I didn't, I didn't, and I got a lot, I got a, I caught a lot of heat for it from the guys working there. But it's like, well, I don't know. I didn't know any different. You know, I don't, I don't no, know. No, that's so interesting. No, thank you for sharing yeah, never, that. That's just. These are the little moments I love when people pull something in that's just so, no, it's just, it's random, but it's so rich. And and you know what I mean? It just, it adds to the story. I love it. Okay. So getting back to. I I had long hair and I smoked cigarettes. So I'd be, anyone who saw me driving down the highway with a, with a black trench coat on and, you know, long, (laughs) uh, early 90s, early, uh, early 90s hair and a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. I, I I can't believe no one threw a shoe at me. So get right. it together, kid. You need to but you need to draw whatever. a caricature. You got to Ed. You got to draw oh. a caricature of that. Well, that's funny. You should say that because <laughs> uh, the way that other caricature artists tease you, they don't they don't do it in words. They draw pictures of you. So I have every drawing that was done of me of that era 
It, they all involve scooters. Uh, oh, you know, it's just, oh, God, I've got them all. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I'd love to, I'd love to I, see that. That's great. I put, I put like 10,000 miles on a Honda scooter. One gallon of gas and I'd have to fill it up once a week, you know, and gas is a gas is like 89 cents. So yeah, it was economical mm-hmm. okay. and comical and comical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So, <laughs> Let's uh, talk a little bit about transitioning, yeah, out of the caricature role. And, you know, this is around the time you met your first um, advertising illustration agent, too. Tell us a little bit about that. And then, you know, bring us into New York. And you're taking this big step of now, you know, moving to New York and starting a career um, or what you were looking to do out there. This is one of those talking points that I, I like to kind of focus in on. People ask me a lot, and I'm going somewhere with this, sorry. But people, I could ask, so how do you get your work? And an artist, I guess, wants to think, well, I got the work because I'm so good, the client had no choice but to use me. Well, that's part of it. But a lot of it is meeting people, knowing people. And I've joined, I've been a part of a number of organizations for years. In fact, I mm-hmm. went to, uh, I, uh, it's called the National Caricaturist Network. It's an organization of caricature. It's now called the International Society of Caricature Artists because they've branched out. But uh, they have a convention every year with competitions and all kinds of awards. But uh, some uh, a dude I, I met there, you know, I became I became friends with a lot of people there. But one guy says, "Oh man, you should you should try uh, advertising. Great, you know, it's uh, you every every job is quick. You have to draw fast, and it kind of working drawing live in a theme park when you're working on commission mm-hmm. really trains you for a job in advertising." Because everything is quick, you can't hem and haw over drawings. You got to have it out, and you got to right. do a lot of them. So that's like I never even heard of that. I don't know what that is. And this guy says, "Do just do some storyboards. Good. Record a TV commercial and just pr- pretend that uh, you're designing that TV commercial, and maybe take a scene out of a movie." So I did. Spent a weekend recording a commercial, pausing it on VHS, which is which was fun if you remember VHSs. Mm-hmm. And I put the, I put a couple samples together, and I guess, yeah, I had a website. That's right. So I, I put them online, and within a couple of days, I got a phone call from an uh, uh, advertising illustration agent in, in New York. Uh, that's just a weird coincidence. It doesn't usually happen like that. Right. He said, yeah, we need someone to do this job. I like your stuff. And uh, so I got an ad job. Unfortunately, the the work that I put online, I'd spent a lot of time on. <laughs> it's like right. anything I would do for advertising is not going to be that detailed. But whatever I I did, the first of what I've been doing for the the remainder of my life is if someone asks me to if I can do something, I say, "Yep, you bet." And then <laughs> right. I then I have to sit and think, like, oh, "Can I do that?" So I did. So I would get to, you know I just kind of slowly got these ad jobs. They were great. First, it was a lot of storyboards. Now I do a lot of, well, not a lot now, I guess, but a lot of comps, a lot of designing ad campaigns. That's great, you know. And then yeah. when everything became digital, it got even better, you know, because when I started, I would have to draw stuff on paper, bring it down to Kinko's or something, have it scanned in or fax it, uh, you know. And, right. uh, yeah, that that sustained me for 
a long time. The thing about live caricatures, I think a lot of people probably wouldn't wouldn't realize, is that I would make a lot of money in the summertime. Like it, it, I did really good there. And uh, in the off season, I had this nice uh, pile of money that would kind of float me by until almost until the next year started. Wow. So you know, so it was. Yeah, ideally it worked like that. I, I always, you know, kind of started to run out in February or so. But uh, advertising <laughs> started to be things that that I could take to a get better at drawing. Every ad job is a, you know, it's a every ad job is a crash course in figure drawing and faces wow. and all that and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to work with with clients and art directors, uh, being able to make changes, being able to take criticism. You know, mm-hmm. all that stuff I've, I've almost always been very good at. But uh, everything I learned in drawing live caricatures was uh, uh, amplified in advertising. Very much the same, you know. If you, you do a job, you make the client happy, you get paid for it. Right. And that's the way I like it. <laughs> As Definitely. opposed to, like, doing fine art where you put a p- bunch of paintings together, then you put them in a gallery and hope they sell. That right. that never that was never my I just I that was never for me. Yeah. Did I yeah. did I miss a question? Did I just start? Reading? No, 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 no. Keep going. No. So we were talking <laughs> about just um right how you transitioned to New York. We were talking about getting the first advertising agent, which you said you got the guy found you mm-hmm. online after you were posting stuff, um and mm-hmm. then yeah you know, your transition to New York, how was that? Was that challenging? You know, are people in this industry, would you say welcoming? Is there a lot of competition? Yeah. Tell us a little bit, like when you moved to New York and now you're like, you said you're getting your feet wet and you're really getting up and running. And then also tie in how eventually you met um, someone from Mad Magazine. Oh, that's a great story. You're going to put everybody to sleep with this, but yeah. Uh, Well, I, I, I came to New York because I married a girl who was moving to New York, basically. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so that's, I mean, I I had a hard time uh, uh, making New York work. It's really, it's really expensive here. And I didn't <laughs> right. have my, I didn't have my safety net of theme park caricatures and all that, but, you know, she, she had a real job. So, okay, it was just, okay well, I can make it happen. And I, I kind of. I, I have to work a little harder than I wanted to. I, I don't know why. I guess I, I guess I could analyze well, that later. I think later, it's but. all well. It's all new. I mean, you're you're moving to you know across the country to a new yeah. state, and yeah. yeah, I'm sure that has a lot yeah. of different potential challenges and just being scary in and of itself to be in this this new world, right. so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got it. Took me a couple of years, then I kind of got it together, and I started to I started to get my 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 groove back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I just started to get ad work, and I, I learned that, you know, if you have a good attitude about things, things things tend to happen for you. Uh, as soon as I became, uh, I guess, uh, I don't want to say happy, but as, as soon as I realized that, oh, I I need to get together and and you know enjoy my my work here, that's when things started to really take off. That's when I, I, I would just get bigger ad campaigns, I, I, uh, magazine jobs. Uh, I don't know, and ugh, I don't really know how to articulate that. But just once I started to 
uh, have some gratitude for where my life was. That's when mm-hmm. things really started to come together. So, yeah, I lost about two or three years of being a, being kind of mopey. Yeah. But, sometimes uh, that, that happens, yeah, well, that, you know, and sometimes yeah. sometimes maybe you need that, like you said, to, like we would sometimes use the term reframing in psychology, you know, like you said, to really reframe and look back and say, now look forward and say, I'm really appreciative of all these things I have versus, you That's know what I exactly mean? exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot um, of reading. I, I did a lot of self-helpy type stuff. I did a Norman Vincent Peale books, uh, a lot of power of positive thinking stuff. Mm-hmm. And I read, uh, I read a lot and I just, uh, I just, I, I just, I, I turned it all around. And that's the kind of thing that I, I'd love to talk about because yeah. I changed my part, my priority, you know, my priority was making money. And once my priority changed to, uh, I guess this is going to sound really dumb, but once it became uh, achieving my happiness, that's when things started to really come together. Sure. Sure. Mm. And how, um, how did you meet the, I mean, again, you know, as a kid, like you said, you were a huge mm-hmm. fan of MAD, and how did you come to be that you met someone that was <laughs> affiliated or that's associated great, with it? Yeah, tell us a little bit about that, because, I mean, that's always so, you know. This is a great rescue. I love this. Yeah. Well, this, is, this goes back also to uh, organizations and actually meeting people. Uh, mm-hmm. In 1999 or so, Tom Richmond was the president of the, the caricature organization i was the vice president and we scheduled a kind of an impromptu mini convention out in connecticut and because there was an al hirschfeld al hirschfeld is a very very famous uh caricature illustrator and that we were going to just plan this this uh a function out here so he did a lot a lot of that footwork but he also uh contacted a guy named sam viviano who was the art director at MAD, contacted Sam out of the blue and asked him to come and be a speaker at this thing. So we go and we all meet Al Hirsch. There was a group of, I don't know, 10 or 20 people at this thing at a, just some okay. lousy hotel in the middle of Connecticut. Uh, so we all got to meet Al Hirschfeld. And then we got to, you know, hear Sam talk. And then there was a portfolio review. Sam agreed to look at people's work, and uh, which is pretty cool. And, you know, it makes perfect sense that, that we would do this because Tom, he was angling to get into Matt as well. So it was kind of a, a, a roundabout way to meet Sam and to, mm-hmm. you know, get a foot in, a foot in Matt. That worked out good for me too, because I brought all my, all my portfolio showed Sam and I think he was impressed. He tells me he nice. was. And so that was the foot in the door. Again, it's, it's this, uh, things kind of happen when you don't expect them to happen. But that started. Yeah. A, I've, I've been I've been great friends with Sam ever since, and uh, you know he's the art director at Mad for almost almost 20 years. And you know uh, eventually, I just kept showing work uh, there. And I would in New York, I could actually go into the Mad office. I'd just stop in. We'd all go get lunch, and uh, I'd all, you know I'd have here's here's my latest something or other, show right. work, and right. that, that's how that worked. And it was the that's persistence great. that that gets you in. It's not. It isn't always how good your work is. It's uh, how dedicated are you? Yeah. Because uh, Mad Mad's a kind of a kind of a closed shop. You know, they don't take too many. At that time, they didn't take many new people. 
But okay. uh, if you wanted to work for MAD, they wanted to know that you were in it for the long haul. If you, you know, one thing right. that it MAD wasn't like you were just is, trying to get a credit or something, you know, on your on yeah. your resume, so to speak. Right. Oh God, those guys right. can sniff that out. Everybody in the MAD office, they what they hate <laughs> is people. They call them the bu- the bucket list group. You know, right. I just want to not. I just want to check this box. Right. And, uh, they they hate they hate that. But I wasn't. I was. Uh, I knew. I was. I was a mad scholar since uh, fifth grade. You know, I could mm-hmm. open up a, a magazine and tell you who drew anything in there. You know. Wow. And uh, right. I, I memorized issues. I have every one of my issues. I have oh my two gosh. Huge ru- Rubbermaid bins in a closet with all my old mads. They're there, mm-hmm. and you know, as they get older, they get uh, in worse. Every time I move, they they get in worse shape. But I've got them all. That's so and cool. Now I've got a stack. I have a different stack of all the mads I was in, which is kind of oh nice. wow, look at cool. That and go, oh yeah, that's that's cool. You know, <laughs> that's awesome. No, that's great. Yeah, they they were great. They they were great to work for. Uh, Sam is a fantastic art director, and that helps a lot. And uh, you know, I I by the time I got into Mad, I think I was in my early 30s, and I did so good on this one job that they didn't call me for another. 12 years. <laughs> so I have the, uh, I have the dubious honor of having the longest time in between mad articles. Uh, okay. Anybody okay. in mad. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. And I, what was I'm, the, um, I'm proud of that. What was the job that you did? The first job? It was a, uh, it was about, it was a gag. It was a quarter page. It wasn't even a feature. It was a quarter page gag uh, about Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe got into some trouble for throwing a phone at somebody or something. Okay. Back in yeah. 2004 or whatever, right. so it was a take on that, and I did I did a, a number of sketches, and they they come back and say, well, you know, this isn't quite right. This is you know the pose, the body, the composition, and wow. they just said, oh, it's, you know, you're, you're getting there. A lot of that. They're very they're very encouraging. They're, I mean, it was a great group, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually I did a you know painted a, a watercolor and I inked it, and it didn't exactly knock their socks off. Because I went, I was, I I kind of got ahead of myself, and I didn't draw with my own voice. I started, I went, I hate to admit it, but that first job tackled it as if like, what would Jack Davis do? What would Mark Drucker do? What right? What would Tom do? And so, this it's this little image. It's it's okay. It's kind of kind of convoluted. It doesn't really work. But it doesn't – if you look at it, if anyone who knows what I do, they would look at this and go, well, it doesn't look like Ed drew it, you know. Gotcha, yeah. Or it's, I, I see it, but it looks uh, – I'm a, I'm a big – I love to talk about being able to kind of tell what an artist is thinking by looking at their work. And I'll mm-hmm. go on about that. This, you're, you're in psychology. You'd love that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, you look at it and you go, ugh. And actually, I didn't even get it back until – about three years ago, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. So I never even uh, got got to look at it again. And they were right, you know. Right. And I was a little bit, I was a little bit, I guess, say pissy about it. Like, come on, guys, you know, give me a, you know, whatever. No one ever said that, but you know, I just the reaction was so so, and it was, it just, I just, I didn't hit a home run. Right. So I right. think it was a, a number of years later. Uh, Ryan Flanders, who is the uh, 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 art director, I, actually I don't know what Ryan's title was, but 
he called me up and I, I know all these, all these dudes, you know, he says, I have a job for you. I, th- I think you're perfect for. And by this time I had aged, you know, 12 years and mm-hmm. I was in a very different, I was in a very different place in my head. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't motivated by desperation. I wasn't motivated by, you know, be, being famous or any of this. Right. I just, I, I was just at, at a good point where it's like, absolutely, I can do that. And I didn't cool. stress over it. I didn't sweat over it. Came home and I did it. It was an Ivanka Trump gag. Before. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know what, what year that was. So 2016 okay. or something. And I, I got to a point where I was happy with it. I submitted it. And I think they had a few, you know, changes here and there. But I went, you, you bet. Absolutely. Awesome. I did it. And I was in every issue after that. Wow. Congrats. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Very cool. That was Very fun. cool. And I think it's as you're saying where here. Your head's and we, at. Go ahead. What's that? I said, it's all about where your head's at. You no, know, you're if right. If motivations come, come from the right place, it'll, you'll, it, things will work out better. You're right. I'm you're right. And I think I mean, that. that that definitely, you know, resonates with me because there's been times, you know, because I do a full-time job. I don't, this is not my full-time job. I do this on the side and oh. I do it because yeah. I enjoy it and I love hearing about people's stories and I'm curious. And yeah, there's been times where I said, hey, I got to take a break for a couple of months. You know, just, just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm burning out because I have a full-time job and then I put 150% into this thing. You know, it's not like I'm just... Mm-hmm. As you can see, I'm not just throwing out some cookie cutter questions. I spend a lot of time with yeah. my whole process of developing the interview. So, yeah, so I see what you're saying. And, and I do notice when you take a break sometimes, for me personally, sometimes yeah, you reevaluate things. You start to pivot. You take a little bit of a different road. Um, and yep. that, definitely, that definitely helps. I agree. Pivot's a good yeah. word, you know. Yeah, I love that. There's a, you know, I love to read, like, kind of like business psychology types of stuff. And yeah, I've, I've learned mm-hmm. that word from, yeah, just reading some of that stuff. It's interesting. But like you said too, I think the point is you have to have an open mind and maybe some of that yeah. space gives you some time to kind of breathe and just kind mm-hmm. of, you know what I mean? Decassette yep. a little bit and yeah. 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 So the open mind is a, is a good thing. It's a good, a good way to look at it too. Uh, well, more on that later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so yeah, so get into, and let's, yeah, let's get into the, you know, start to move a little bit more towards your Rube Goldberg books and everything you're up to now. But, you know, that's what, I think we already tied a few of the pieces into it. But when I was listening to the weekly sketchbook podcast, I'm going to give those, you know, if you want to name the people, I apologize. I don't remember both of the guys, but it was really cool. Yeah. Artists, artists, I think uh, I highly recommend the weekly, the weekly sketchbook podcast because it's they they talk to artists but they talk about the other stuff they don't talk about what tools do you use to draw with they talk about what's going through your head and that's right. why i like that podcast a lot i've also yeah. known the one of the, those dudes forever he used to draw for for uh, for us in st louis and uh now he now he's big and famous and has that podcast cool but, yeah, yeah please. called the well, weekly podcast the... Uh, yeah yeah you can give the give the names of the I people who run it. Yeah, uh, R. C. Nelson, and because I'm on the spot, I'm forgetting the other dude's name. Uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's that's, okay. that's live that's live TV for you. There you go. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, people can definitely um, if you're into this type of stuff, you know, cartoonists, illustrators. Yeah, definitely check them out. It's really cool. Um, so 
we already tied a couple of the pieces in, but I think that the thing that really just struck me, there was this one moment where I kind of, you know, had, I don't want to say chills in my spine, but it, it just really resonated with me a lot personally was, you know, like you said, meeting the right people when you're not expecting it. Um, you mentioned not always looking for like tunnel vision, like not just having kind of that one track mind. Um, and then you even said, you're like, you had no idea you'd be doing children's books. Like you didn't see this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also yep. said just never pigeonholing yourself, which you said earlier. So I think bringing oh, all yeah. that together, you know, for me mm-hmm. personally, just thinking of my life, my career and different things. Sometimes I was like you, I was all over the place and people would say, that's not good. Like you're not homing in on something. You're, you're just, but to me personally, when I reflect back, having all those different maybe experiences and working with different populations, I think personally made me a more rounded person. And, and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I do. So. Yeah, I think that that pertains to me. About although I'll I'll take both sides of the argument. Not not pigeonholing yourself is one thing, and this you know I want to. Uh, I assume that a lot a lot of your audience isn't artists. It's people that just you know are interested in hearing about other uh, other careers. So it's kind of hard to you know I guess put it into that context. So I'll just say it. You know I I was always good at. Uh, not pigeonholing myself and always being able to at least try uh, other things that came in. I mean, I've done, I've done work for, I I did animation. I worked in an animation studio in high school and I was terrible at it. I hated it. In the nineties, I did comic books because I wanted to see if I could do that. So I I did almost outside of, you know, when I wasn't doing the live characters, I I did, I did comic books. I worked in the comic Mm -hmm. book field for, for a long time and I just realized I, I'm not, this isn't my thing either. And, uh, but a lot of the stuff that I do is, well, I guess not, maybe, maybe half of the work I do is work that I didn't really, uh, I didn't foresee coming. I, if had you told right. me in 1998 or whatever that I would be doing advertising, I would have, I was, I don't even know what that means. You know, I right. never even thought about it. But uh, lo and behold, that that supported me for years. Uh, the only thing I was sure about was Mad, but everything else is just was mm-hmm. just kind of gravy. Uh, children's books, I I had no idea that that was going to come out. It, I, in hindsight, I know it was kind of that was kind of written in the stars because uh, I was I was I was friends with a guy named Nick Meglin who was uh, he was uh, helped to r- run Mad for decades. And I showed him my portfolio, I don't know, early 2000s. And Nick and I became, became kind of close. But uh, he, he looked at, back when I was, a, you know, just a noob, he looked at my work and he went, this isn't mad. This, you should be doing children's books. Wow. And I was like, ah. But, uh, you know, <laughs> what, Nick, what Nick said. And, again, pe- people who are listening to this who know Nick Meglin are going to, I can probably hear him say it. This is, this is a ch- mad. This is children's books. Right. And uh, I just kind of went, well, Nick's right about absolutely everything except this <laughs> in, in my head. I didn't tell him that. I right. just went, oh, thanks. You know, I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're here. Uh, you know, I got to know Nick a lot better a- after that. But uh, it turns out, you know, the children's book thing just kind of happened. And actually, that's a that's a. This, that's a really funny story how I got into that. You want to hear it quick? Yeah, I think I yeah, can, no. yeah, well, I no, think I can is, tell in under 45 minutes. No, that's fine. <laughs> this is, well, this is a good transition. So, yeah, tell us how you mm-hmm. got involved in that and then, and then start diving into, um, you know, Rube Goldberg books and what you've been doing sure. with that so we can promote that. 
Oh, sure. Well, uh, again, back to the, uh, you know, you never know when something's going to happen or, you know, you never know where, where the, uh, where the magic bullet's going to come from. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, back in the, the NCS, uh, I've been, on, I've been on the board of the NCS for like uh, 10 years or something. And, uh, I was, we had a convention in, uh, 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 I think it was Philadelphia or Pittsburgh a number of years ago. And one of the highlights of that convention is that they were going to have the last 70 or whatever Rubin winners. The Rubin Award is the Cartoonist of the Year Award. It's a big statue. Just a coincidence. It happened to be designed by Rube Goldberg, who's one of the founding fathers of the National Cartoonist Society. Uh, the exhibit at this uh, convention was going to be they were going to have a piece of work from every Rubin winner since the organization, you know, started giving out a Cartoonist of the Year award. Pretty okay. l- lofty endeavor, you know, because <laughs> yeah. uh, Charles, Charles Schultz is in there, Bill Watterson. Uh, wow. Uh, it's, a, it's a who's who. So uh, luckily I didn't, didn't have anything to do with that because that's a lot of work I didn't want. But, uh, you know, they, we had an exhibit of all this stuff. And to cap off the exhibit, they, they, they arranged to get Rube Goldberg's Rubin Award, which he won in like 1970 or so. Oddly enough, the award was named after him. He didn't actually get it for years later. But uh, they were going to have his statuette and the maquette that he used, which is kind of like a, like a proof uh, of, of the award as well. Oh, wow. uh, in this exhibit. Well, uh, I don't know who was in charge of that, but someone, I, I think it was Tom Richmond actually, called, uh, got a hold of Jennifer George, who is Rube Goldberg's granddaughter. Right. In Manhattan. Asked her, yes, she's, she agreed to lend this out, but she refused to have it shipped. She said, I need to have someone hand deliver this. That's, that's, my, <laughs> that, that's, that, that's the deal. Right. So I got a call because I was going to go to this convention and I was driving. Can you can you call Jennifer and arrange to pick up this stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. So I drove over there on on the way out of town, and I because it's you know Manhattan, I couldn't park, so she had to come down and meet me. Turns out she was kind of sizing me up because these two right. Statues, oh my god. I mean, they should, they should both be in the Smithsonian. So she comes down with this expensive piece of luggage or I think two I guess and she says okay here here you go and she said now what are you going to do with these and she she, she grilled me and I went ah you know and I went I, I, I'm going to drive them there she said I need you to not speed and I need you to be very careful with these and if anything happens to these I will kill you and I went I love this lady she's fantastic and uh, so I did, and we hit it off enough where she was comfortable. And so I drove to I drove to uh, uh, Pittsburgh with these suitcases, and I'm just like clutching the wheel, you know. And everybody, anyone who's driven to Pittsburgh from New York, that is a long, boring drive. Right. So Heather and I dr- drove out there, and just, uh, and I finally got to where I was going, and I just I was so glad to hand off these suitcases to the curator of this museum. And uh, oh, good. So that was that. So Jennifer and I kind of be, became friends after that. I'm, I'm not sure how we started talking, but eventually, because I run the local chapter of the Cartoonist Society, she offered to uh, hold, uh, 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 I guess, uh, a dinner in her house on the Upper West Side 
for NCS members. Wow. Uh, the NCF hadn't done much with Rube, but Rube is, you know, he's a founding father, and she was looking to restart that relationship because she was in mm-hmm. charge of the, the Rube Goldberg uh, machine, literally. Huh? And, right. Uh, so I started for, I don't know what year it was, but it, we, have, we had a function. She had it catered. Uh, everybody paid their 25 bucks and got in, and I was the organizer of it. And uh, we had a good time. It was a big trade-off. Me and Jennifer became good friends. And then I think the next year we did we did it again. And at the end of the event, when everybody's kind of everybody's gone, we're just kind of sitting down having some wine. She starts to. I said, Jennifer, what's new with you? She says, Well, I got this Rube Goldberg kids book in the works, but I just can't find the right artist for it. <laughs> I said, <laughs> She denies this. I I tell the story, and she just. She, she says, it didn't go like that, but it did. She <laughs> said, I said, Jennifer, I'm your guy. Because by this time, I had gotten to know all about Rube and the cartoons and all that. Mm-hmm. Rube, people don't know, Rube Goldberg was a cartoonist. Uh, at, the, at, uh, at the height of his powers, he was one of the most highly paid and well-known cartoonists that there was. He was a big deal. And I said, Jennifer, I'm the guy for this. She says, what? I said, yeah, I'm a, I'm a cartoonist. She says, you are? I thought you were just oh the organizer of these Reuben things. And I went, Jennifer. So, wait, wait. so prior to this, she had no idea that you were like an illustrator and cartoonist? Well, she didn't think of me as that. I think she knew gotcha. that I drew. Okay. But she didn't. Uh, think of you in that whenever category, I dealt with her, so to speak. Yeah. Whenever I right. dealt with her, it was always, uh, you know, organizing something. Our, right. We have a huge Christmas party every year, and I'm just the, I'm just the idiot that has to put it all together. And uh, she says, What? <laughs> And uh, I said, yeah. Uh, then she brought Charlie Kochman was there as well. Charlie was a, is, is a good friend of mine. Uh, he uh, He's the an editor at Abrams Books. He's the guy that, that made the Wimpy Kid books happen. Yeah, so I wow. know Charlie is just a guy who's who comes to our, our things, and it's, it's fun to hang out with. And uh, I don't know if Charlie was there that night, but, you know, in a, in a nutshell, Charlie said, oh, shit, <laughs> you know. Which right. Charlie doesn't really swear that much, so I said, uh, "Ah, okay." So I did a, I went home and I did a few drawings. It was, it was Rube Goldberg. The the premise was it's Rube Goldberg as a kid, and he likes to build machines. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, the first the book was how he gets through his day, how he gets out of bed, how he gets dressed, how he does this, how he does that, and uh, it became clear to those two who are the ones to, you know, sell it on that, oh, Ed is the guy. He's perfect for this. And uh, for once in my life, I agreed with him. Yeah, I am. I am perfect for this. That's awesome. So Charlie had to go to bat for Ed Abrams because Abrams wanted to do this because Rube Goldberg is a thing. They had a huge Rube Goldberg art of book come out not long before that. So they were kind of building momentum in the Rube Goldberg world. Charlie had to go to bat for me at Abrams because they wanted to get someone well-known. They wanted a C.F. Payne or some well-known cartoonist. And Charlie said, you, Ed's the guy. You have to get Ed to do it. And they, they, they fought back. And if you get to know Jennifer, when Jennifer sets her mind on something, she gets it. She's one of those. Nice. She's just, she is just that lady. She's, oh, she's great. You know, but, oh, Ed's the guy. And if he doesn't do it, we're not doing it. <laughs> you know? Wow. That's so amazing. They, they relented. Yeah. They, they caved. And uh, I got the job. And that was. That was book one. I wrapped, like I said, I wrapped book two 
last year, and now we're on we're on a, a, a new series of books in the Rube Goldberg world that mm-hmm. are just kind of snowballing and exploding. So yeah, and real, you know, real that's quick, just so people, one of those things that you, you never know where things are going to come from. Sorry. Right, and no, 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 real quick, just so people know, the first book, mm-hmm. right, was published in 2017, and that's the Simple Normal Hundrum School Day. School Day, yep. Yep, and yeah. then the one we that's going to hopefully... We went back and forth on that name. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. cute. Um, mm-hmm. And then, right, the one that unfortunately is not coming out, it was supposed to be this June, but it'll yeah. be in probably 2022 yep. is the Simple Normal mm-hmm. Definitely Different Day Off um, by Rubo Goldberg. Yep. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's great. Yep. Yeah. Those, those so, are great because each, 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 uh, each, uh, spread, uh, each, I guess it's a series, each one is a series of, I think, 17 machines but each machine is two pages uh mm-hmm. they're done all traditionally so they're they're inked with a, a, a dip pen the old-fashioned way and then flat out watercolors over that so they're they're very tr- traditional you know there's and real, they're not, real they're not quick, done and, on a, a mm-hmm. yes yeah, real that's what i want to and we'll have to have you back on another time and we'll we'll delve into the actual oh. like process but no that's oh what i'm I happy to talk about that you. i mean because again they're so well done and polished, so to speak. So you're saying you drew this stuff on like some type of drawing paper with ink and then you put watercolor yeah. and that's, that's it. This isn't done on a computer or anything. Well, actually, you know what? I'm going to just walk you through the, the A, B, C, and D since we're talking yes, about, do it ABC about, about how yes. this, these are done. Yep. Uh, first of all, uh, once we know what, and by the way, Jennifer is, is the author of those books. So it's always correct. Jennifer and, and Ed. But so what we do is we sit down and we think of, we know what the premise of the book is going to be. And I'm going to, I'll talk about book, book one because it's out. We're going okay. to, uh, we, it's going to be basically a day in the life of. And right. the character is, is already designed. I went through that whole process of doing sketches of the character. You know, and it, oh, he's too old, he's too young, he's too nerdy, he's too cool, all that, all that stuff. Right. And so then I know what each machine's going to be. It's up to me to sit down and go, okay, what is this machine going to do? Because I know this is going to be his alarm clock. This is how he gets out of bed. That's all I've got to go by. So I just sit and start hashing out ideas. And wow. when, with that book, I, I had never done that before. I didn't know how to build a machine. I just, I knew I could do it, but they took a long time. So I do sketches on the computer. I use a, uh, a Mac, I think I was, at that time, I think I was on a MacBook Pro. And I have okay. a big, uh, I have a big drawing tablet by a company named Wacom that uh, is basically a screen that you you draw on. It's a high-end stuff. Okay. So I would just bang out sketches on this thing on the computer. And I would just, you know, r- real rough sketches. And some points in the machine, I wouldn't know what they were going to be yet. So I'd just draw a box. This is some other cog in the machine. That it, that has to be funny, you know. I I didn't know then it was going to be you know a mouse chasing a mouse and a hamster wheel chasing a cheese and the hamster wheel is going to be turning something that that pulls this lever that kind of stuff. I didn't a lot of right. if I didn't know that I would just put a box there, they'd be rough. And I did countless versions of those, and I I still have them all uh, on my computer. But once and I would take these and I would run them past Jennifer and we'd talk about them. And if something wasn't funny. It wasn't funny enough, or if something was a little bit too absurd, you know, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd we'd go back. Like I, in the first book, I had a lot more animals, 
and uh, <laughs> things like that. The, all of these machines, A, they have to work. Right. Uh, B, they have to look like – if a kid is looking at this, their imagination has to be – they have to be able to look at this and go, I could actually do this. You know, right. Not like they're going to. But I have like you know, a chicken lays an egg, and the egg falls and uh, hits the button here, that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a, a lot of them are absurd, but they're funny. But kids have to be able to see it and visualize it. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of back and forth with that. And eventually we just come up with these machines. All I, like I said, I think there's 15 or 17. And then there's drawings for the title page, the, the, uh, you know, the copyright page, the end papers. And once all that's done, everything's laid out. Then I take it and I print it out on a, on a wide format printer. And I, okay. So I had this printout and I put that, I taped that behind a heavy duty piece of uh, Bristol board, Strathmore 400 okay. series Bristol board. And then I cut that out, and then that goes on my light table, and I start what some people call inking, some people call tracing. Who cares? I start doing the final art, and then I've got the black and white line art, and then I take, I get all of them done, then I take, I put the inks away, and I grab my watercolors, and I just start painting. Wow. And that's exact. That's it. That's that's how it's done. Oh my done. gosh! Beautiful. So no, in the they're, end, they're, yeah. yeah, phenomenal. Oh man. The best thing yeah. about, well, not the best thing, but I, I have this, uh, for the non-artists listening, I have a drying rack, which is, it's a wire rack. Uh, each shelf is about an inch from the, the next shelf down, and it's mm-hmm. about 30, 30 shelves. It's, it's, it's a dryer, and it, it hinges so you can lift up all the ones above a certain point, and they, they go out of the way. It's a drying rack. I don't know how to explain it. But, yeah, uh, no, no, I can picture what you're saying. When, yeah, uh, every school has one. But... Uh, I have all these paintings in there, and when they're done, I just sit and I look at it, and I go, oh, my God, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I really <laughs> hope I don't spill anything on this drying rack because oh that's the gosh. original. And for the first book, I, every time I would bill or get a smudge or a cat would jump up, I, you can't fix things if they're watercolored, you know. Um, you have right. to either somehow, somehow incorporate it, but more often than not, well, I guess I'm starting this one over. <laughs> wow. You know? So I have right. all these false starts. They're just, I don't know what to do with them. Uh, they're, I, they're, I'm looking at them right now. They're in a stack against my wall with a bunch of frames that I haven't put up yet. They're just sitting there. And, uh, but every time I, would, I had to start one over, I never got mad about it because I was still learning. I've always been iffy about inking. Inking is very hard to do. I've mm-hmm. always had anxiety towards it. So, but every time I would do it, I'd get a little bit better. So every time I mm-hmm. would mess up a drawing, I would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of grumble for a little bit. But then I was like, oh, this next one is going to be better because I have that much more experience, you know. And each exactly. one is, like, you know, a couple of days. So they take a long time to do. Wow. So now yeah, beautiful work. Done, I, really I wrap beautiful. them up and I ship them off. Yeah, the best, right. That's that's one of the bad things about the pandemic because when I did the first book. I take it, I wrap them all up, and then I hop in a cab, and I go into the city, and I got to walk with a, you know, all these watercolor paintings under my arm, hoping to God I don't trip on a puddle. And I go <laughs> into the, the offices and put them all out, and people come around. They want to see the art. They go, ooh, you know, it makes, makes you feel good. I don't know. It's just yeah. a little, just, get, just getting your, your boat loaded. Well, with this pandemic, I don't get to do that. 
In fact, uh, with the, the second picture book that I had wrapped last summer, I had to wrap it all up and I had to ship it off to the to the uh, people that are scanning it in China. And, oh like, and everybody, nobody in the office could see it. I could take phone shots, but they're too big for my scanner. So I would right. just take snapshots and just kind of share it. But, you know, it's well, they don't get to see everything until they get the scan. And, gotcha. you know, people like to hold original art, you know. With these books, they look traditional. They are traditional. And people that are into this kind of stuff really want to see the original. But yeah. the staff at Abrams that I've been working with, they haven't seen them yet, you know. That's so crazy. That's, that's kind of a drag. Yeah, that's right. a bit of a drag. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. So with the, the second book, I've, I have a call coming in. I'm going to hit it so I don't get uh, that's uh, decline. No, decline. Uh, with the second book, I had to the second or the I'm sorry the the, the middle reader books that were yeah let's now. get into talking a little bit about those yeah sure those are great we have a yeah. we have a proper author for, for that with the picture books Jennifer would take my drawings and add funny stuff to them uh, mm-hmm. do the text and it's all it's all silly and goofy you know but generally the writing comes second uh, with these with these uh, I, I like to call them chapter books, but they don't like me to use that term because that's for a different age group. With these middle reader books, it's a story. And what I'm doing is I'm doing a series of illustrations that get peppered in throughout, like a, like okay. a proper book. Yeah. And they're black and white. And I think the first book had like 80-something drawings in it. Some are full page, some are half page, some are quarter page. But it's the size of a, a kid's novel. I don't know what that wow. size is, like six by eight or, or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I wrapped all these, and that's a, that's a lot of drawing. And they're all – I did these the, the exact same way. Uh, I designed them on the computer. I submit them to the editor, you know, so he can, you know, make sure everything works. And then I just uh, – I print them out, and I put them behind a piece of good drawing paper, and I just do, do the inks. These, these ones are only in black and white. That saves a lot of time because the whole book right. is a, it's a black and white book, except for the cover. So it was the exact same process, and this this book has a lot of machines in it too. But I've done I've done a lot of Rube machines, so I, I kind of have a process for that. Okay. Like I'm not just going in blind. I know I know where to start and where to end, and how to jog my brain if I can't think of anything funny. So this one has a whole bunch of machines in it, but it's also a lot of this character talking to that character. You know, a lot of. Uh, this is where the, this is the interior of the house, a lot of that stuff. So this one has a lot uh, of other stuff drawn to this capacity yet. You know, uh, inside of a car, talking inside of a car, or they're at school and there's a bully, you know, doing all this. So this was also a great book because I got to do all that stuff. Plus right. I had to take yeah. the character who was in the uh, picture books and age him. Now he's in middle school. He's in sixth grade. And he's got friends, but all, a lot of the characters in this book are based on uh, classic Rube Goldberg uh, characters, uh, which were created in the 20s. His best friend is named Boob McNutt. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking at the process, how are we going to get that one to work? Because right. Boob McNutt would have meant something else entirely in 1920. Uh, there's a character named La. There's a character named Lollapalooza. Again, oh, that's funny. Lollapalooza meant something else entirely. That's that's a Rube Goldberg word. 
That's funny. Uh, uh, there's, there's two twins in it named Mike and Ike. Again, that's a, those are Rube Goldberg characters. Uh, you know, and Professor Butts, Lucifer J. Right. Butts, is right. the uh, you know is a is a main character. All of these things had <laughs> made you think of different things. Yeah, years definitely. Ago. Yeah, but, like a, like almost know, like a word Jennifer, association type of thing. You know. Yep. yep. Jennifer said, "Well, we have to do this. That's all there is to it." And I, <laughs> I was I was kind of I was kind of iffy about it. And then I got the manuscript last summer. The author's the author's name is Brandon T. Snyder. He's he's done a, a lot of work in comics, and he's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got I I started set down to read this book, and that the name Boob McNutt is tackled in the first <laughs> chapter. It is tackled so well that I got a little yeah you know, I got like a quivery chin, you know I was just like oh this is great because right. that's when I knew this book is going to be good, and I'm not saying that because I drew it. it right. Is, no. The story, the story is so good. It's so That's great. That's excellent. And, I mean, the fact that for the next three books, you've got a character with that name, but you don't even think about it anymore. It's, and, right, but, right. Uh, it's, it's, They're great stories. I just read book two, which, which I'm starting now. And I just, I, when I got to the end, I was like, oh, sh- I, what, what, is it, what happens now? You know? Right. So I, That's excellent. Right. Like, I have to know how this, and he won't tell me. He hasn't, he hasn't worked it out yet, but I think. But uh, yeah, the, the books are great. I think they're gonna they're gonna get a, lo- a lot of press, hopefully. But they're just fun to do. I love doing them. There's nothing like having a job, especially as a freelancer. Which I guess we can say I'm, I've been a freelancer for forever. When right. you sit down right. and look at a job that a you're under contract to do, which you know some people could be intimidated by that. Not me. I'm happy for it. But mm-hmm. you know that this book, you have I don't know five months to do this and you're going to be on this one project for that long i don't know how anyone else would feel about that that was the best feeling ever because right. oh man i've got steady work and there's a pandemic coming up wow well, great right and that's the other piece exactly <laughs> i mean yeah mm-hmm. wow now to to that end what the thing is I, when i'm doing these books i turn down a lot of work which is always right. hard to do as a freelancer, but it's just one of those things. So I would, uh, you know, turn down, turn down ad work. And I, I'd give it, I, I gave a lot of work out to my friends. I you call this guy. But uh, that book, the first uh, 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 middle reader book, it wrapped, I don't know, about a, about a month ago. So I took a couple ad jobs, just the old, and that was the best ever. Because now nice. I, I go back into that world and I, kind of testing the water to see if I still liked it. I sat down and I get some goofy ad job designing some pharmaceutical campaign. Ball. Oh, cool. Because each, each job is, you know, Friday to Monday, turn it in, revisions on Tuesday. And I was like, oh, I still enjoy doing this, just because of the immediacy of that work. So it was a good mm-hmm. palate cleanser. In fact, I should be. <laughs> I haven't done much with the new book. I'm still... I'm getting a couple of jobs out that I had been putting off. I have a, I have a couple of things on my plate that don't have deadlines, which if you're ever going to hire an illustrator, that's the kiss of death. Don't say right. do it when you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. So, so I've got, I've got a few of those I'm kind of chewing on now, but you know, it's, that's I right. feel like I've had my palate cleansed and probably later this week, I'm just going to start diving into book two 
and that'll be done probably sometime in August, I think. Uh, although cool. in the middle of the last book, I broke my arm, which is a illustrative Oh, gosh. I, how did I it end real quick? We'll my... start. Just give a, oh, give a bullet on how, how did that happen? Well, just as I was about to start inking, I was uh, – I, left, I have a lot of different versions of the story, but I'll tell you the true one. I leaned, I leaned over to something to open up a window, and the window stuck, and I just kind of I did a one, two, three, like that, and oh, uh, the no. window wasn't unlocked, and I, and I blew out my elbow. I heard a big pop, uh, and oh, I didn't go gosh, to the doctor Ed. for a month. Turns out I uh, ripped Ed. my bicep off my forearm. Yeah, oh. so I lost about two or three weeks. I lost one whole week surgery, and uh, then I just – I was kind of slow getting back into it because my, my arm had atrophied because it had been hurting right. for a long time. So, right. Yeah, that oh, was gosh. Fun. So uh, lesson learned, don't injure your drawing arm if you're in the middle of a big project. Oh, well, I'm glad to hear you're podcast, feeling better. I said I'm glad to hear yeah. that it's getting better, you're feeling better. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Ugh. I'm good. Yeah, that's, that's just one of those things that I'll – that's a great, you know – Freelance illustrative story. Yeah, I broke my arm in the middle of a job. But, <laughs> yeah, that was oh, fun. But gosh. The, no, now it, it also because I have no concept of time in my head. I uh, it seems because of this pandemic, I, it seems like years ago. So, right. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. So I mean, sounds like you got a lot of stuff still on your plate, especially with the the middle reader books that you're going to be working on with uh, Brandon Snyder, which mm-hmm. is great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess to start kind of tying things together, just, uh, yeah, let's talk a little bit about where people can find you. And, of course, if there's any pieces you want to still promote with the middle reader or the other book, please share that, too. But, uh, yeah, let people know <laughs> where they can find you on social media, and we'll start, uh, we'll start wrapping things up. Sure. Yeah, I have, I have the Instagrams and the Facebooks. I'm terrible at it. But uh, in the last year or so, I started up uh, Illustrator pages. So uh, if you go to uh, facebook.com slash Illustrator, I think it is. Just do a search for that. You'll find my, my art page, which has all kinds of sketches on it, some caricatures, whatever I feel like throwing up. Plus, I, mm-hmm. uh, I push all this stuff on there, too. Uh, Instagram, I've got my regular Instagram, which is just my name. That's got pictures of the cats. It's got pictures of food, all that great stuff. But on Instagram, I also have uh, Ed Steckley Illustrator, which is more of the other stuff. On that, I have a lot of, like, behind-the-scenes stuff. Like, you know, here's, here's where I'm at with this painting that's half done, that kind of stuff. Cool. Uh, drawing picture, pictures of my studio. I've got a great studio. Yeah, so I love I, that. Know, we'll, you, we'll have to have you back on. and Yeah, we'll delve into yeah, that some other big, time because that's really cool. <laughs> I'm a big studio nerd. I love seeing artist studios. And uh, I was in a fun holding pattern with the, with the, uh, the picture book about a year ago where I, I submitted uh, drawings and I was waiting for feedback. So I had about two weeks there. So I just did this walkthrough of my studio because I really just – I always get a kick of other people's – seeing how other people work, how things are laid out. Uh, I've, it's always been a huge interest to me. So I decided to do one because uh, I'm really happy with the studio I've got. My workspace is per- pretty awesome. It's perfect for me. All the way down to the cheesy wood grain 1960s walls. It's great. It's actually in the basement <laughs> of of my house, and it's uh, I have big windows and all that. So I yeah, I just wanted to show that off. Uh, I'm really torn about social media because I every time I post anything, 
I just think, oh, I'm bragging. I shouldn't, I, I hate that. I, I hate the motivation for this, but you got to do it. You know, I tell people find you now. That's so. a, yeah, that's another whole topic. We could put that in your notes oh, that we could get into. But I, no, I totally appreciate oh, really I, quick I, what you're let's saying. Just say, I have, I have thoughts about social media, <laughs> but yeah. I also have a I also have a cooking Instagram and I have a, a funny Instagram. So I've got all kinds of stuff. One of my new hobbies is is cooking. I really like. I've always I've always liked to cook. So now I'm like nice. I just I just nice. started. Very you know, cool. it's, it's not a, it's not associated with me. My name's not on it. It's just you know if I try out a recipe, I'll do this and uh, yeah, it's fun. That's cool. Eddie's cooking show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Anybody wants nice. to see that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I have nothing else to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that too. Another interesting piece of uh, information we learned about you. So that's great. That's the first, no, time, Ed, I, was... first time I ever plugged, plugged that. <laughs> oh, really? Cool. Well, thank you for yeah. sharing that. Yeah, I like when people have something, you know, that they've never plugged anywhere else. So that's really cool. Yeah, no, Ed, uh, it's, yeah. Been, it's been a blast. I mean, thank you for what an amazing story you have and the journey you took us on with um, just your incredible journey as an artist i mean you're phenomenal i love the work you do and oh you're sweet yeah well no, i made really every cool. everything I, everything i said was made up on the spot and none of it's true <laughs> <laughs> no, this is great so, i like your podcast is great it's uh you know i like i love this kind of stuff i'm a big podcast fan and, and I'm, I'm 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 a fan of your podcast so this is this is a thrill thank you so and much Ed. that I means got to, got to play hooky today i got to play hooky today while we were doing this Okay, part part of the day, I, right? I'm, I'm no, not thank working. you. All right, well, thank we'll see if I go back. <laughs> okay. No, well, thank you so uh, much for the kind words. I, I really appreciate it, and I, I think you can also appreciate how much time and effort I put into my interviews, and this is not, yeah, it's, you know, I really I can't imagine for doing it. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, it, it, it shows. Thank you. So, thank you so much. I appreciate so, this. Yeah. Yeah. So right. yeah, let's do this. Um, well, you and I will definitely will stay in touch and uh, we'll, we'll definitely Great. bring you back on down the road to, to promote some new stuff or just talk about some other interesting stuff you're up to. But um, when if I have you another book to, out, I will harass you. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. You're more than welcome to. Um, yeah. And just uh, know probably within, you know, 15, 20 minutes, the podcast in terms of the actual audio will be um, available for people to download for free. So they can go on iTunes or iHeartRadio, wherever you want, if you want to share it and get people who weren't able to tune in to listen to it. And there goes the Internet. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Great. All right. I'll, I'll share it around. Thanks, Kim. Yeah, You're the thank path. you so much, Ed. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. It was a blast. Have a th- thank you so much again. Take care. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone, Ed Steckley, Mad Magazine illustrator, and as we mentioned, he's got all these Rube Goldberg books in the works. Some of them are already published. Other ones are in the works. So, yeah, check him out. What a great interview, edsteckley.com. Also, kindly become a fan of the Carrie Edelman Show. I am on Facebook at Carrie Edelman, and also that's my personal page. You can also follow me at the Carrie Edelman Show on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, also Carrie Edelman. And, uh, yeah, just just stay in touch. I have some other interesting people in the works that I am scheduling interviews with. So I regularly post when I'm getting ready to uh, release one of the interviews. It's a live interview. So, you know, we're we're going all in. So, um, yeah, check that out if you tuned in late. What a great interview. 
really phenomenal illustrator and a really cool life story he had to share. Thanks again for tuning in and have a great day.